Welcome to the Fisher's Second Ward Podcast. This is a podcast to help members of the Fisher's Second Ward of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints get to know their neighbors in the ward. The ideas and thoughts that we share aren't necessarily a reflection of the official doctrines of the church. We just hope to strengthen our friendships and our faith by sharing our stories. Thanks for listening, and let me introduce you to a member of the ward. And this member of the ward is a tie into our last podcast, which we did, I think it was about a month ago, and Josh Stortz was our... Uh, the last person we had on, and here to rebut whatever she needs to <laughs> is Courtney. And she's super brave. I'm so proud of her <laughs> coming over here. So welcome, Courtney Stores. Thank you. So um, we were chatting a little bit before we started that um, I know I know how intimidating this can be. And I always tell people to, to sit uncomfortably close to the microphone. So she's doing that. And this is... <laughs> So thanks for coming over. I'm, I'm excited about getting to know you a little bit. So let's start out by, tell me about yourself. What's your story? Um, I'm not asking about the embarrassing stuff. You can leave that stuff out. <laughs> okay. Josh uh, is part of that embarrassing story, I'm sure. Yes, we very much so. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I was born and raised in Michigan and, you know, lived there my whole life. My parents and my younger brother still live there. Okay. Um, so we usually go and visit at least twice a year. Nice. And I, and I know that your parents have been here several times. Uh-huh. So how many how many in your family? There are five total. I have okay. two brothers. I'm right in the middle. Nice. So my older brother, um, his name is Kyle. He lives out in Albuquerque. He's okay. in the Air Force. And then I have a younger brother who lives in Michigan. Okay. Five siblings. So how was that growing up? Being in the middle of five. Well, so my parents make up the five. Okay. So I just oh, so have three. the two brothers. Three siblings. Growing up in the middle of two brothers was interesting. I bet. There were times when, you know, they'd gang up on me and I'd have to fend for myself. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> so how, what's, the, what's the age difference between you and your brothers? Uh, between my older brother and I, it's two years. And okay. between my younger brother and I, it's three years. Okay. But so we're you're all really close. Right in the middle. Yeah. And so what part of Michigan? Uh, the Grand Rapids area. Okay. Western side of the state. And how was that? How'd you like uh, living there growing up? I loved it. I mean, honestly, I didn't know anything different, right. <laughs> but I loved it. We had a great experience and um, it's always fun to go back and visit family. Sure. And are, are your parents from there or did they, are they transplants to Michigan? My dad is from there. Okay. Uh, my mom is a transplant. She was uh, raised in Washington state and then I think in high school is when she moved to Michigan. Okay. So. Is that yeah. where they met? Mm-hmm. No. Yep. They worked together. All right. Yeah. A, I'm sure there's a story there, too. Yeah, it's kind of a cool story. I mean, they worked together, and uh, my dad was not a member of the okay. church. He was actually raised Baptist. Uh-huh. And um, at the time, he really wasn't attending church at all. Mm-hmm. And so when my mom kind of introduced him to the church, he really kind of did it so that he could start dating her. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, he ended up really loving it. And um, I think his parents were really excited that he was just finding religion in general okay. again. So they didn't, they didn't resist the fact that it was a different church? No, not at okay. all. Well, that's great. Yeah. And so when you were born, your parents were members at the time? Yes. And um, how was that? Um, did, did you notice anything? And I don't even know where I'm going with this. Sometimes I just start talking and hope I can land <laughs> a plane somewhere. <laughs> how was it growing up? Um, with a, did did you see anything in your life that that um, came from your dad's religious tradition as he was growing up, or or 
lack thereof, or is, or is there anything that you noticed uh, in your uh, formative years? Um, I guess what I noticed was just that his his whole extended family is still there. Okay. And they all still attend the same church. So uh, he's very much, you know, the, the sole one who right. is no longer part of that group in terms of um, attending the same church. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, all go to the same church. They're all very involved in choir and things like that. And my dad, not so much. Okay. <laughs> so do they, do they still embrace him as part of the family? Or yes, they, okay. absolutely. That's great. Yep. So you've got a good relationship with your, your uh, extended family on his side? Yeah. Yep, very nice. much so. It's very cool because they're all just very respectful of each other and their beliefs. And so, I mean, we all believe in God, right. and that is what ties us all together. And so when we get together for family functions, you know, we, we always say a prayer before we eat a meal, mm-hmm. and we all stand and hold hands. And, you know, usually it's either my uncle or my dad uh-huh. that will offer the prayer. And it, it doesn't matter that they attend two different churches. Right, and know? probably the prayers are slightly different. Yeah, yep. And everybody just rolls with it. Yeah, it's awesome. That's neat. Mm-hmm. And so uh, do you see anything with your kids as they have interaction with their extended family, aunts and uncles and cousins that are that are uh, not members of the church? Um, I guess it's hard to say. Uh, they recognize when things are different. Okay. You know, um, some members of the family are very religious, and mm-hmm. so they make sure to say their prayers, you know, before we eat a meal. Others really don't, mm-hmm. you know, so... Uh, for us, going to church every Sunday is just kind of a given right. for them. Sometimes it's kind of hit or miss, you know, things things like that. Um, I learned recently that my aunt was just baptized um, into the Baptist church, okay. and she's been attending for decades. Wow. And I had no idea that she wasn't a baptized member. Interesting. And it was interesting because it wasn't like this huge deal like it is for us, uh-huh. you know? It's, it's a very special day. We have family members come and visit, and for her... Um, her own kids didn't know. Wow. <laughs> they weren't there that day. And she's like, hey, by the way, I got baptized. And they're like, no, you didn't. Nice. <laughs> so, fun. yeah, things like that, just traditions, you know, yeah. can be a little bit different. And um, so growing up, um, talk about some of the experiences that you had growing up. Were you, were you um, what is a, the church experience like in Michigan? Is it... Uh, is it kind of a, a densely populated area as far as the church is concerned, like Fishers is, or is it a little bit more remote? Oh, definitely more remote, for sure. Um, in my seminary class, I think there were maybe 15 of us, okay. and that was just our whole ward, okay. um, all the youth. And I think there were probably three, maybe even four high schools represented wow. in that group. Um, I was the only member in my high school. Um, the whole time, except for when my brother uh-huh. was also attending, but he was actually less active, so yeah. I really was kind of the only one. Uh huh. Yep. But it was it was interesting because it forced me to kind of develop a testimony early and just yeah. decide, you know, do I believe this or do I not? Right. You know. So what was that process? How did that happen? I think for me, it was just staying involved. Okay. Um, you know, as I attended activities and being in a ward that was so small, you have to decide if you want to take leadership callings in young women's, you know, right. as the, you know, class president or whatever. I was almost always in a, you know, young women class presidency of some uh-huh. kind. Um, and there were times when it was kind of exhausting right. because it's, you know, kind of a small group, but I, I loved it. And the older I got, the more involved I wanted to be mm-hmm. in activities. And so I would seek out, 
you know, girls camp, youth conference, EFY. I loved things like that. Just opportunities to get to meet more, more people who are right. like me. So, um, was your peer group pretty strong or were they, were they struggling? Uh, the ones I, I want to say right around my junior year of high school, I had a decision to make. Uh-huh. Um, I, up to that point was mostly hanging out with people from school okay. and they obviously had different beliefs than I did. And they started to participate in activities that I didn't want to participate in. And so I had to decide if I was going to stick with my friend group from school or if I was going to try to create a group in church. And that's what I decided to do. Okay. And it was tough. There were definitely some ramifications. I think some of my friends from school got offended that I wasn't spending as much time with them anymore. But um, it was one of the best decisions I ever made because who your friends are can really shape who you become That's true. as a person. And so we actually did have a really strong friend group at church Good. and it was so fun. We would get together a lot of times on Sundays after church and we would just have like a movie night or a game night or something like that. It was just, yeah, it was fun. That's awesome. My friend group, <laughs> when I was a teacher, I was a teacher's quorum president and I had a first counselor, second counselor and a secretary and that was our quorum. Mm-hmm. And I came home from usual one day, one day. We lived a block from the church. It was great. And my dad was always involved in somehow youth activities, whether it was Bishop Rick or Young Men's Presidency. And he asked me where my, pre- where my quorum was after mutual. And I said, I, I don't know. Well, president, would you like to know? And he was <laughs> like that where just teaching me things like what I should be interested in. And they were all in juvenile hall. hall so that was, <laughs> that was my friend group. So you graduated high school mm-hmm. and I'm assuming. Yes, I did. I did. <laughs> we were learned from Josh last time that you did go to college. <laughs> yes. So talk about your decision to go to college and, and uh, what you studied and where you went and why. And Okay. Um, I really wanted to go to BYU. Mm-hmm. That was the only place that I applied, okay. actually. And when the acceptance letter came, I almost didn't believe it. I'm like, wow, wow that, that's it. I'm in. <laughs> you know, that's kind of crazy. Um, and I, believe it or not, was not sad to leave home. I uh-huh. was just so ready for that next step. And I was so excited to be among so many other members of the church. I never had that before. So that was really exciting to me. I lived in the dorms. Mm. And so, you know, everyone is real close by and you make friends right away. But I had kind of a different schedule. I I decided to work an early morning custodial job. Ah, fun. So I was up at three o'clock in the morning. And I don't know if I've ever gotten up at three o'clock in the morning since, (laughs) to be honest. Why would you? (laughs) I don't know. So um, I did an early morning custodial job, which meant that I would do the job. I was done by usually 7.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. I'd come home and I would sleep Mm. until about 11.30 and then I would start classes at noon. Okay. So right around the time that I was going to class, everyone else is coming home from class and they're done for the day. So it was really difficult actually to make friends because our schedules were so opposite. Um, So I did make friends with the people that I worked with, uh-huh. but they lived nowhere close to me. We weren't in the right. same ward. Um, so it was a little bit lonely for the first little bit. And then I want to say it was November, early November is when I was walking across campus. And that's when I heard Josh. <laughs> and it was so interesting because I think that morning, I wrote this down in my journal, that morning I had prayed that I would be able to meet a friend uh-huh. and just be able to just develop a good, a good, solid friendship. And then there came Josh and we're like eternal best buddies. Nice. So, <laughs> well, that's good. And we heard from him that he met you, um, before that. 
Yes. But couldn't remember your name. Yes. <laughs> hey, Michigan. Yeah. Always a good catch-all just to oh, yeah, shout, sure. shout out the state. So what did, you, what did you decide to study? I decided to study. I started out with early childhood education. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. Okay. I just thought that would be fun. But then um, as I was going to school, I had my oldest, Kylie, okay. and I still was taking the same classes, but in order to get your teaching certificate, you have to do student teaching. And we lived out in Utah where we did not have any family Mm -hmm. close by at all. So I was already relying on friends to kind of help babysit so that I could at least finish the classes, but there was no way that I could do the student teaching part. So I pretty much switched my major to, um, I think it was home and family living with an emphasis in human development. Okay. So it was essentially the same classes and Uh you basically graduate without the teaching certificate, but all the background info is still there. Nice. So that's pretty much what I did. Have you had a chance to use any of that? (laughs) You know, all the time. I really do. As I raise my kids and um, now I'm doing photography for, you know, families. And I, as I interact with different families, you know, I just think about kids and what they're experiencing and how they view the world. And it actually is really helpful. I bet. So what got you thinking about photography? So let's see. I want to say when my second oldest was maybe a year old or two, something like that, Mm -hmm. um, Josh came home with this old refurbished camera that a coworker had given him. Wow. He had like two cameras and he's like, here, I don't need this one. And he knew that I was interested in photography. So he gave it to me and I started learning on that, just taking pictures of my own kids. Right. And I loved it. And so years down the road, I finally decided I should, I should just do this. Right. You know, I really enjoy it. I should do this for other people. So I started my own photography business about five years ago cool. and it's really evolved. You know, I thought that I was going to specialize in like child portraits, uh-huh. but I actually, I love newborns. They are my favorite. They, so, they're, I've seen some fantastic newborn uh, photos that are, it's just fun to to see that so mm-hmm. i would imagine that that would it's be really definitely an art it takes a lot of patience I bet. because you're at the mercy of the baby <laughs> and each baby is so different <laughs> but newborns are definitely my favorite but i think the family photography is what keeps me the busiest that's okay. the most consistent so what um what kind of schedule do you keep with that i'm still very much part-time uh-huh. um because i prefer to be a mom first um but i typically will do maybe three to four sessions a month. Okay. Um, They usually take place in the evenings outside, you know, around sunset time. And fall is definitely the busiest time. Everybody wants the pictures with the fall foliage or, you know, pictures for their upcoming Christmas cards or whatever. So I always say that October for a photographer is like April for an accountant. Right. (laughs) That uh, that busy season. Mm -hmm. Well, that's really cool. What are some things that you've, some things that you've learned from from your education or from observation or from your own family that have have helped you as you're um, developing these these photography sessions and um, growing your business. I think I've really learned that every family is so different, mm-hmm. and every family has a story, whether they realize it or not. So uh, initially, when people schedule an appointment to get their pictures taken, it's usually because they're like, "Oh, we need an updated." picture. Uh But then you start getting the why 
that's important uh-huh. for them. And you find out that, you know, maybe somebody has had a really difficult year and you're just grateful that they, they're smiling again or right. somebody's getting ready to go to college or there's some kind of a milestone uh-huh. associated with it. And it's just really cool to hear people's stories and to see how each family is just so unique yeah. in what they what they like and how they interact with each other. It's just kind of fun. That is, and I I think it's fascinating mm-hmm. to, to, you see people and you see people <laughs> and, and as you get to know them a little bit and you realize that there's, there's so much depth there that um, even the, the people that you think, you know, there's a depth that you just, mm-hmm. um, it's just fun. I found as I've had, what now 11 or so conversations, 11 episodes now with the podcast, um, learning things about people is just so interesting, so fascinating. Mm-hmm. So that's great. I, I want to ask um, another question about just not specifically your childhood, but your dad is African-American mm-hmm. and your mom is not. Mm-hmm. What has that, um, what has that dynamic uh, done as a, has it made a difference? Is it something that, that has been, um, a how's that how's that affected your life or your childhood or your your um relationships with family or with um josh or any mm-hmm. we don't have to talk about josh specifically <laughs> he had his turn <laughs> <laughs> that's right um you know it's been interesting because uh you know that is who i am right and so there are times when i forget mm-hmm. that that's my history and and who I am just because it's so ingrained. Right. But then there are other times where it is glaringly obvious Mm. (laughs) that I'm different and that my family life is different. So um, I guess the short answer would be most of the time um, on a day-to-day basis, it's not something I think about Mm -hmm. a lot, but I can recall times as a kid where I felt like the odd person out. Right. Because not at the time, not a lot of people had uh, biracial parents. Yeah. And so, for instance, I can recall probably in third grade or so, mm-hmm. um, my dad has always worked as a schedule where he's usually done by maybe two o'clock in the afternoon because okay. he starts very early. And so um, there was a day where we were doing something at the school and he volunteered to come and help in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited that he was going to come. And then when he came in, all these kids were just whispering, is that your dad? Uh Is that your dad? And they were really just asking the question, but like after about the third or fourth time, I'm like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, should I be embarrassed? I don't know. This is kind of weird, but um, it finally dawned on me. Like people didn't expect me to have a dad that was African American. They just, when they looked at me, they didn't expect that. And so there have been times throughout my life where it's taken people by surprise. Uh In fact, um, a lot of times people will come up to me and speak Spanish because they think I'm Hispanic and I'm, I have to tell them I I don't, I'm sorry. I can't help you, (laughs) but it's been really cool to watch um, my kids with their grandparents because it's just so fun to see like Jackson, who is, you know, a blonde haired, blue eyed little boy, and, you know, to see him with my dad. Yeah, who's a quarter African-American. And you would never believe him ever. Right. But then he's with, you know, my dad, who is full uh-huh. African-American. And it's like, they're family. That is the coolest right. thing. 
So, so yeah. Do you do you see anything in your kids and their relationships with other people? Um, and Indiana is not super diverse, but there is quite a bit of diversity. Well, I should say Fishers is not super diverse, mm-hmm. but there's quite a bit of diversity here. Do you see anything in, in your kids that, that you think is different because they have uh, an African-American side of the family? Yeah, I think that they are just way more open to just differences mm-hmm. in, in people and in their family life. You know, not all families look the same and right. they don't have to look the same. And so I think that they just have an appreciation for differences. That's neat. Um, and especially as London comes in. Yes. And how has that been? Oh, it's been so awesome. And as we went through that process, we knew that we were most likely going to end up with an African-American baby. And, mm-hmm. and we wanted that. And part of that reason was because, you know, we love diversity. Right. And that is just a part of who I am. And I just wanted to bring that into our family even more. Um, and so it was really cool as we prepared for that. Um, telling the kids, you know, we're going to have a baby in our family that looks different uh-huh. from all of you. And are, are you okay with that? And they were like, yes, it's going to be so exciting. Right. And um, it was just so fun to watch them prepare for this big monumental event. You know, um, they would tell their friends that they were going to have a new baby brother or sister, and they weren't sure what they were going to look like. But they were right. excited. So yeah, it was just fun. That is neat. And Josh talked a little bit about the um, the experience that your older kids had mm-hmm. as you were sealed to her. So I want to just hear your perspective as as you got to have that unique experience. I would uh, I'm assuming that you haven't been sealed to any of the other children because you were right. married in the temple. Mm-hmm. But what was that experience for you um, being there at the altar with London and then also having your other kids there as witnesses? Yeah. Oh, that was so cool. I mean, that is a day that will just live in my mind and my heart forever. Uh Um, It was so awesome to have both, uh, both Josh and I had family in town Mm -hmm. for that. So just to see the differences there in our parents. And then they would um, get the kids ready because Josh and I had to be there early Uh um, to prepare. And so it was actually, I think my mom who was getting all the other kids ready. And then they walked in and, it was just so cool to see, you know, our three biological children. And then you've got this little baby who looks nothing like us. But right. here we are just to celebrate her. And it was the coolest thing because when we went to the altar, my mom was holding her. And she had to place London's hand on top uh-huh. of ours. And so just to see the difference in the skin tones, right. it was like, oh, this is happening. You know, right. it was just and, really cool. And that's just, I think there's some... I was going to say symbolism. I don't know if that's the right word, but there's there, that's representative of life. Yeah. That you just have these differences that really don't have to mean anything. Mm-hmm. They don't have to make anything different because you're all you're all the same family. Yep. And that's such a great experience. Yeah. That um, that you all got to got to have. Yeah, and it's been awesome. Like just going forward, um, there are times when we would bring London with us, you know, certain places, you know, I, I would volunteer in my daughter Summer's classroom uh-huh. when she was maybe in second grade or something like that. And London was still a baby and she was so excited to show her off. This is my sister. Yeah. And, um, you know, for some kids, it's hard to wrap their brain around that. Right. Like, how is that possible? Um, but she just loved explaining, 
like how she became a member of our family. And even yesterday, I went to the high school to go pick up Kylie from band practice. And I had London with me and she was so excited to show off her little sister to, you know, all of her high school friends. And so great. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm having a couple high school kids in my years that enthusiasm doesn't always exist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that's so fun. Uh Uh-huh. So let's get back to college and Josh and he shouts, does he ever call you Michigan now he does or not. does he know your name now? He does not. He knows my name now. <laughs> that's He'll good. mess up the kids' names a lot. But. Yeah, that's normal. That's, <laughs> that's just parenting. <laughs> your brain can only hold so much information, you know? So the funny thing is that our kids are alphabetic, alphabetical, uh, Allison, Brennan, Chris, Adult, and Edison. And I have a sister whose name is Annette and I have a sister whose name is Candace. Mm. And... When I'm with my family, it usually doesn't happen otherwise, but when I'm with my family, my my siblings, I'll call my kids my siblings' names yes. instead of their names. And it's usually just Annette and Candace. But yeah, that's just, I don't know that I've met a parent that hasn't missed, messed up their kids' names. It happens. We tried to go easy. <laughs> it, it's not always easy. So how did you know Josh was the one? Oh, goodness. You know, and if you don't know that he's the one, you can just (laughs) (laughs) we won't tell him. I'm definitely sure. I am sure he's the one. Um, I think. I mean, I have to back up, I guess, and just say that I did not have any experience with dating at all. Okay. Prior to Josh, was that a social thing, or was that a a factor of the the population that you grew up with? Population for sure. I mean. you know, growing up in Michigan where we didn't have a lot of members, we didn't go to the same school. There just wasn't an opportunity for that. So, I mean, growing up, whenever I had like a formal dance or something like that, um, I would ask a member of like the stake Uh, to come with me to a dance or something, just so I knew I wouldn't be like in a compromising situation that was uncomfortable. So that was the background that I had. I had never in my life been asked on a date. Wow. And so then... We go to college, and Josh offers to take me on a motorcycle ride around campus. And keep in mind, I was living in the dorms. I didn't have a car. Right. I walked everywhere. And I thought, that is so nice. Like, what a nice thing to do. And so we went on this motorcycle ride, and it was supposed to just kind of end there. But then it continued, and he asked me if I wanted to hike the Y. And I had never done that before. So I thought, oh, that's really nice. He's asking me to to do something I'd never done before. And then after that, it was kind of getting close to dinner time, and I thought he was going to drop me off home. Mm. And he said, do you want to come to my place, and I'll cook you dinner? And I thought, that is so nice <laughs> that he would you know, offer to just cook me a homemade meal. That's great. And then after the fact, I was telling my aunt about this super fun day that my friend's brother you know, showed me. And she's like, honey, that was a date. <laughs> and I'm like, well, he didn't ask me on it. She's like, it doesn't matter. So still at this point, you haven't been asked on a date. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gosh, she's kind of slipped it. <laughs> yeah, very nice. sneaky. So anyway, after that, he finally, he did call me and he asked me if I wanted to, to go do something. And I had plans that night. We were doing something as a ward, I think. And I said, oh yeah, that's not going to work. And then he's like, you know, what about the next night? You know, and I was like, oh, I was planning on studying. He was like, you're making it kind of difficult to ask you out. I'm like, oh, you're asking me out. (laughs) Well, then I don't have anything going on. (laughs) I can change some things. Yeah. So then we, then we went out on our second date and that one, (laughs) this one was a pivotal point for me. 
because we went to Divine Comedy on oh, campus, fun. which was super fun. And Divine Comedy is an improv yes, comedy yes. group. And I mean, we both love comedy. We both mm-hmm. love to laugh, you know, so this was great. Um, I didn't realize that he is such a loud laugher. <laughs> and it was almost a deal breaker. Wow. For real. Because I'm just a very introverted, quiet person most of the time. Uh-huh. And he is like, like drawing attention, attention to himself because he just thinks this thing is hilarious. And so I'm like slouching my seat. Like, I don't even know if I can finish this date with this guy. And then it's like intermission and we go out and we see his twin sisters there. And no one knew that he and I were seeing each other at all. And so then it felt like we were caught in the act, you know, this is date two. Right. And so then we're like, oh, hey, (laughs) funny seeing you here. So then after that, you know, the cat was kind of out of the bag that we were seeing each other. And honestly, I really wasn't sure if I was going to continue seeing him. I'm like, I don't know. He's pretty loud. But then our third date was like the clincher for me because he took me snowboarding. He had like a snowboarding pass. And so um, it was my very first time ever going snowboarding and it's on a mountain, you know, and we did what was supposed to be the easy run. That's what it said. Right. It was easy for like experienced snowboarders. It was not like the bunny slope. Mm -hmm. So we go down this quote unquote easy run and I'm falling all over the place. (laughs) It's a disaster. And at one point, some guy like came down and he like started yelling at me to get out of the way. Uh And I'm so just mortified. And Josh just hollers back, hey, she's learning. Leave her alone. You know, and I'm like, he's got my back. I like this guy. And he continued to just be so patient and sweet, like that whole rest of the day. And he was definitely like an intermediate level. Uh I would say he could go down the run easily. Mm hmm. But he hung by with me, like, no problem. And I just thought that was, like, the sweetest thing, that he was so patient with me. And I'm like, okay, I like him. Nice. (laughs) That's fun. So um, he convinced you? (laughs) He's still a loud laugher. (laughs) (laughs) It's just part of the package. So is it still embarrassing to you to... Every once in a while it is. (laughs) Kind of have to give him, like, a symbol. Like, you know, just tone it down. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's important for couples to have those signals that mm-hmm. what it, whatever it is. Yeah. So you guys got married. Where'd you get married? In Detroit, the Detroit okay. Temple. And I think Josh told us that mm-hmm. as well. I just want to make sure your stories were consistent. Yes, yes. That's good. <laughs> so um, what brought you to Fisher's? So his job brought us to Fisher's. Um, he had been working for an IT company in Utah. And then that company, um, it was definitely in trouble for a while, but he hung in there and he was working remotely while we lived in Michigan. And then the company went under and he lost his job. And so he had been doing some contract work with someone and that is what brought us to Indiana. And we lived in Carmel um, for the first three years. And then we bought our house here in Fishers and we've been here for almost seven years. So you were in the Carmel ward? We were actually in the Westfield ward at the time. Mm -hmm. I know some people in the Westfield ward. Fishers is better. You know, (laughs) I'm quite partial to it. (laughs) I won't mention the names, but they'll never listen to this. um, So how long have you lived in Fishers? Uh, Seven years. Okay. Again, that's consistent. So that's that's good. So talk about um, your experience living in Fishers and raising a young family. It has been awesome. 
We love Fishers. It really has been such a pleasant surprise mm-hmm. for us. And Fishers has grown, I mean, just exponentially yeah. over the last few years. So it's been great because it's a very family-friendly city mm-hmm. to be in. There's lots to do, so much to be involved in. Right. We've met a lot of great people, you know, from schools and church and, and all of that. So we, we love it here. So what's, what schools do your kids go to? Uh, Kylie is at Fishers High School. Mm-hmm. Summer is at Sand Creek Intermediate. Okay. Jackson is at Cumberland Road Elementary. Okay. And then London will be doing pre-K three days a week at a Lutheran church right so by our house. four kids, four yes. schools. Mm-hmm. That's got to make things super fun and easy to manage. Oh, goodness. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> I bet. And, uh, but good schools. Yes. Yeah. That's We've been great. very happy. That's good. What are some things when the storts are not going to church or taking pictures of babies, <laughs> what, do, what do you guys like to do? We love to be outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so we like to just go on walks, even if it's just in our neighborhood. Uh-huh. Um, we like to ride bikes. I've bumped into you a couple times on walks. Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> right. I would, I, there was no contact. Was very made. close. <laughs> Um, but we also just, uh, the kids are all involved in sports or, or something, you mm-hmm. know, so Summer is involved in softball, so we like to support her okay. at her games, and then Jackson is doing soccer right now, so Fun. we like to support him, and uh, we also love to do DIY projects okay. around the house. That's something that Josh and I love to do, and it often will involve the kids uh-huh. in one way or another. You know, if we're painting a bedroom, we tell them, you know, take down the beds, like, right. let's clear out the room, you know, things like that. So Do they get to choose their own color and things for the within bedroom? Reason. You, within reason. Within okay. reason. That's, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we did, I think, Summer and London's room. We were we did some switching around earlier this year. And so Summer and London were going to be sharing for the first time. And okay. she wanted to repaint her room. And she wanted it to be green. Okay. And initially, she wanted a dark green. And I said, uh, how about a light green? <laughs> and here are three shades. Pick the one that you like. That's right. <laughs> well, and that's the great strategy. You probably learned that in school as well. Yeah. You don't... Give you, them, you give options. Right. <laughs> do you want to brush your teeth before you put your pajamas on exactly. or after? Yes, exactly. If not, do you want to brush your teeth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. So you have a, a moderately <laughs> reasonable green room? Yes. Yeah. Nice. What's your favorite project that you've done so far or the most impactful? We've done a lot. Um, Josh did the deck, mm-hmm. which was awesome. That's a big project. That was a huge project. And he primarily did it himself because wow. I had to keep the kids out of the way mm-hmm. and he understood the ins and outs of that project and I did not. So he usually is kind of like the infrastructure okay. part and then I decorate things afterwards. Nice. <laughs> so so the deck was definitely a large project and it's one that we get to enjoy all yeah. the time now. That's awesome. So that's fun. But we've done a lot of projects in the house as well. Uh-huh. Um, one of the first ones that we did with our house was we ripped up the carpet on our stairs. Okay. And we um, stained the stairs. Okay. And yeah, that was probably our first project we did in the house. And I love it. Nice. So uh, do you have a natural ability to to do the decorating part? Or is that because I do not have much talent? I've learned a lot <laughs> over the years. That is definitely something I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. So I love to watch shows on HGTV or whatever. Right. Um, but I often joke that if I started a blog, it would be like 
if things can go wrong, they will uh-huh. in our house, at least. I mean, okay. you, you watch like these YouTube videos and it's like, how to do this project in right. five simple steps. We'll just add like another 10 to <laughs> right. that. And that's at how least. it goes at the Stortz household. Um, so, yeah, we've learned a lot about how to work together and uh-huh. our, our strengths. <laughs> that's, yeah, because doing a project together uh-huh. can be a challenge. We redid, we, we redid our kitchen and that our marriage survived that, but yeah, it was tense. Yeah. There were some little, tense moments. Little rocky sometimes. So, um, does, does the photography and decorating have, does that, is there any crossover there? Definitely. Um, actually one of the biggest projects that we did was we replaced our flooring <laughs> all throughout the main level of the house. And the reason we did that was because the front room was going to be a photography studio for okay. me. And my, my initial intention was to make it a studio so that I could do newborn sessions year round and people could just come to me and I would do these posed sessions with the babies. But, um, then COVID happened and we needed that front room as an office because Josh was working remotely for an indefinite period of time. And so photography kind of got put on hold during COVID. And then when it finally started to open up, people felt more comfortable with me coming to them, to their house. And ever since then, that's pretty much what I do. Like, we'll either do family sessions outdoors Uh when the weather is nice, or for newborn sessions, a lot of times I'll go to people's homes and just do it there. Okay. But yeah, especially with the the decorating and things like that, you know, (laughs) when I do these little newborn setups, there's, you think about color schemes and things like that. It definitely crosses over. And I just (laughs) think about, are they in frame? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. Well, callings are not our identity, but what is your calling right now? I am the Young Women's Secretary. Okay. And I've been in there for almost three years, okay. which is the longest time I've ever had a calling. Wow. For a time. How's that been? How's it? Um, how is it being involved in the youth program? And Josh has been involved with the uh, the young men as mm-hmm. the assistant. What is it? Assistant Executive Secretary? Yes. Is that what he is? Mm-hmm. So you guys have some crossover there, but... Uh, mm-hmm. You've got a child in the program as well. Mm-hmm. Two. Two, that's yeah, right. Yeah, two actually. Um, it's been awesome. I love that I get to serve in the auxiliary where my girls are. Right. It's super fun to be involved. And um, I mean, it is challenging because you're so invested in the quality of the program uh-huh. when you have a child in it. Um, there are pros and cons to that for sure. Yeah. But no, it's been great. I, I love who I get to serve with. And, you know, it's it's interesting how as... Which you have to say that because they may listen to this. But. <laughs> <laughs> We're all friends. We're all okay. friends too, which okay, is good. even more fun. But it's interesting how as a presidency, you can evolve over time as different issues yeah. arise and you have to overcome these struggles and issues together. Uh-huh. Um, it's taught me a lot. But I, I love my calling. I really do. That's awesome. They... Uh, my mother-in-law used to say, because I was young men's president in the ward, and then I went to young men's president at the stake, and then I was a seminary teacher, and then I started, I was called to the Bishop Brick and High Council, and she said, they're just pulling you out of the youth program. Well, yeah, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but that's great. Um, yeah, my experience working with youth is so much fun. Mm-hmm. They, uh, the, the program is fun, and the kids are just, it's great interacting with those kids that are as they're developing their testimonies and, mm-hmm. and their personalities and yes yeah it's so fun and we have such a great group of youth yeah we do and i mean a lot of them are just naturally friends uh-huh. which is so fun to watch and yeah it's great 
That's true. That's fun. So what are some um, significant milestone experiences that you've had that have, that have made you the Courtney Stortz that we see today? That's a very narrow question. <laughs> you know, I actually have a quick answer for that, though. I would say motherhood. Really? For sure. Okay. Um, I think growing up, I had an idea of what my future family was going to look like. Mm-hmm. I always imagined that I would have a big family. I loved big families. That okay. was one of the things I loved about Josh's family. There and are big six means kids. How, many, how many kids? I mean, more than four, you know, mm-hmm. five, six, you know, probably no more than six. <laughs> I know my limits, but... Um, I just loved going to his house and just the chaos. I just, right. I loved it. I loved that feeling. And he said, you said six kids. Yeah. Right? Six kids in his family and only three mm-hmm. in mine. And we're all very close together. And, um, so I just thought when I grow up and I get married, like I'm going to have a big family. Well, then I experienced my first pregnancy and mm-hmm. it was, it was really challenging. I got very sick. Okay. Very sick. And then I was also trying to go to school at the same time and hold mm-hmm. down a part-time job on campus. And it was just really, really challenging for me. Yeah. And then when my oldest was born, I just had no idea the ride that I was in for. Right. And I had never been sleep deprived like that before. <laughs> and it does things it to you. Yes, it it really does. And I, I really struggled. That was hard for me. And then when I got pregnant with my second, with Summer... Again, I was really sick and probably for double the time. Wow. And then I became a gestational diabetic during that time. And it was not well managed at all. Mm. Um, I tried to modify my diet and that didn't help. Mm. And then they put me on medication and that didn't help. And so then I had to start doing insulin injections Uh in my stomach, by the way, which is awful. Yeah. Um, and that barely like kept my blood sugar at bay. Wow. And so then Summer was a big baby. She was nine pounds, six ounces, which for someone my size, that's yeah. a, that's a big baby. And, um, well, that, for anybody's size, that's so true. That is so true. That's just a big baby, yes. you know? And so that was challenging and she did not sleep well. That child was not a good sleeper at all. So then trying to juggle two kids, Right. One who doesn't sleep well. That was that was really tricky. And then um, between my second and third, I became a type one diabetic. Okay. And so that was definitely one of those monumental moments in my life where my whole life changed. Yeah. You know, I was going to be dealing with this chronic illness for the rest of my life. Right. And um, I think dealing with the gestational diabetes helped prepare me okay. to become a type one diabetic. I knew what that meant. I knew the shifts that were going to have to happen in my mm-hmm. life. But it still is different when you're pregnant and you think there's a finish line right. at the end versus something that's going to be with no you. Finish line. There's there is no finish line. There is, but it ends in death. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so that was, you know, one of those things that I had to come to terms with. Right. And um, I, I feel like with each kid, it was just challenging trying to add one more and uh-huh. and it was tough because we, we knew that we were doing what the lord wanted us to do right this child was supposed to be here and was supposed to be a part of our family um and for me to try to deal with my emotions mm-hmm. feeling like i was inadequate and am, am i even prepared to do this am i even doing a good job mm-hmm. um yeah feelings like that are very real yeah and they're hard yeah they're very hard and then when you see on 
the exterior other people who seem to have it all together. And it's they seem to. But. They seem to. And they have maybe twice as many kids <laughs> right. as you have. And you're like, I feel like I'm really struggling all the time. How are they doing this? And um, honestly, I think that's why I started following blogs uh-huh. regularly back when blogging was like really big because I felt like I could learn so much from people who did have a lot of insight to offer. Right. So anyway, motherhood, diabetes. That both of them will change your life and forever. In yeah. Significant ways. Yes. And uh could be good, could be challenging. Yeah. And I'm learning <laughs> that, you know, just as motherhood is so different for each person Diabetes is also very different for each person. So you can have, you know, a group of people that are all type one diabetics and they're all in different stages of, you know, their journey. And, um, for me, for the most part, it's pretty well managed and I see an endocrinologist every quarter to make Uh sure that things are pretty solid. But, um, the, the biggest side effect for me is that I get so tired And it's frustrating because I want to be invested in what my kids are doing and I want to be, um, you know, dedicated in my calling and things like that. And there are times when I have to take a step back and to say, I don't, I have the energy, you know, I can only do what I can do. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big napper. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a big fan of naps too. Yep. Love naps. I nap almost every day, (laughs) but I, I always joke, you know, that's, that's how I'm kind of similar to a toddler. Uh-huh. Just just let me get my nap and we will all be happier. That's right. We will. <laughs> that is so true. So um, I'm trying to think of what else I, I have on my mind. I um, Let me just ask, what are some other callings that you've had in the past? What are some of your favorites? Uh, let's see here. I've been in Young Women's a couple of different times doing various things. Um, in the presidency and also as an advisor. I love teaching. I really love teaching. Um, It's one of those things that stresses me out at the time, right? but I enjoy it. Um, Let's see. What is it about? And here's, I don't even know if if there's an answer to this question, but what is it about the teaching experience that you love? Because it is, it can be very stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. It gives me an opportunity to study a topic in depth. Okay. And I feel like I gain insight in ways that I wouldn't have otherwise. Mm-hmm. I love being able to just um, reach out to a group of people and learn from them, right. too. I love when a good discussion yeah. happens. I don't like talking at people. Right. <laughs> Ken. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I, I just love that I can learn from other people and study a topic in depth. It is challenging for me because, um, I guess, another kind of big trial in my life is anxiety. I have okay. dealt with anxiety my whole life, but I wasn't diagnosed until I was an adult. Okay. And finally I started to realize, oh, I wasn't sick. You know, I felt uh, sick to my stomach, but no, right. I was anxious that whole time. And so, um, I love to teach, but you're in front of people. And right. so you're dealing with the anxious feelings along with that. But right. And being an introvert, that yes. just compounds things. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Josh always says that I'm a lot like a duck. Because on the surface, I seem to be very right. calm and collected, but underneath, I am just, you know, paddling yeah, along furiously. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that because I am uh, an introvert as well. Mm-hmm. And you probably get people telling you that there's no way mm-hmm. that you're an introvert, and I get the same thing. So I, but I, so I understand. Yes. I understand where you're coming yes. from. So that's. And I agree with you that those, this, when you have a really good discussion in a teaching experience, that is, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. So, well, that's great. Um, 
thanks for taking some time. Thanks for being brave <laughs> and coming over. Um, if you would, just take a minute, a, a minute or so, and just share some um, some elements of your testimony. Okay. Um, you know, I've recently been thinking about some of the core moments in my life when my testimony started to take shape. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think back to my time as a youth. And one of the biggest um, testimony building moments for me was when I received my patriarchal blessing. Okay. And it was because up until that point, I had never really felt the spirit very strongly. Mm. You know, during testimony meetings, I always thought it was weird when people would cry. I'm like, is there something wrong with me? Because I'm just not feeling it. And I I was probably about 15 Mm. when I got my blessing. And um, the guy, you know, the patriarch, he was just like this old, like very quiet person. He was kind of like a gentle giant in a way. But then when he laid his hands on my head and he started talking, he just had like this powerful voice all of a sudden. And I just felt my heavenly father's love so strongly. And I just bawled and I had never had an experience like that before. But that is one of those moments when, you know, when things get tough and I start to question Mm -hmm. certain things now, I think back to that moment and I remember like his love is so powerful and it can encompass everything. So um, I guess that's one thing that I have no doubt about is that my heavenly father lives and he is very aware of me and my struggles and he has given me this wild, crazy life for a reason and he is right there with me on this journey. That's awesome. That, that experience. Um, and I'll just throw a, a, a plug out for, to, if, if people have not had that experience, the patriarchal blessing is, is important. That's great. But having that experience of feeling how loved you are mm-hmm. by your father in heaven is an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, President Nelson said in one of his conference talks that, um, that's something that, that we should be able to do is, is, discover how our father in heaven feels about us. And Sherry Dew has said the same thing in one of her devotional talks that if, if you haven't had that, ask for it. Yeah. And, um, I personally believe he wants you to know, he wants us to know how he feels about us. So that's so great that you've had that experience. And it's such a great anchor point Mm -hmm. to draw back on that. Okay. Yes. It's hard today, Yeah. but I know, I know how he feels about me. Yeah, absolutely. And if he feels that way about me, then he feels that way about his other children. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. So, well, thanks again for thank you braving the storm. <laughs> this has been fun <laughs> coming in and chatting with me for a minute. And to everybody else, uh, let me know when you're ready to come chat with me. In the meantime, <laughs> hopefully, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fisher Second Ward podcast. Please share it with members of the ward or others who you think might be interested or might be enriched and blessed by listening to our stories. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.